Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, this morning we do jump back into our study of uh, the seven churches of Asia Minor, letters written by Jesus through John from the Isle of Patmos that John wrote to these churches, many of them to help kind of correct them, um, all, all of them to encourage and to help them. And today we pick up with church number five, and we are gonna be in Revelation chapter three. So take your Bibles, if you would, and let's go to Revelation chapter three. If you want to be up here in just a minute, Revelation chapter three, we're going to jump in. Uh, we've already learned and been encouraged by uh, the church at Ephesus, of course, Paul, um, if I say, listen, if I say Paul, mean, know that I mean John, all right? Paul wrote 14 of the uh, 27 New Testament books, so you might just say Paul. But John encouraged the believers at Ephesus about having the right motive, the why behind their what. And remember, he said to them, you have left your first love. And we were encouraged in that week with the believers at Ephesus to make sure that we have the love as our motive, love God, love people. The second week, we were with the believers of Smyrna, the town of Smyrna that was under great persecution. And the challenge we received is that even when persecution comes, we can trust that we have a God who is never caught by surprise. And even through persecution, even through the challenges of life, you and I have a God that we can trust in. The third week, we were with the church of Pergamum or Pergamus. And the challenge that week was that you can stand firm even in a corrupt culture. Man, even though people around you may not follow the Lord, man, God will give you the courage to stand firm for him even in a corrupt culture. And then two weeks ago, we were with the believers of Thyatira, the believers of Thyatira. And we were challenged with this message of don't go with the flow. Remember, there were some believers at the church at Thyatira that were just kind of going along with the flow and they were going along with the culture around them. And it was even being taught to them, hey, this is okay, you get a pass, God will forget, it's all right. And God came to them and said, no, go against the flow. No, stand up and be a Christian that, doesn't, that is not ashamed of their faith and is not afraid of the outcome if they stand for the Lord. And so we were encouraged that week to go against the flow. Man, stand against the flow, even in the midst of this corrupt culture. As we come to the church at Sardis, the message to the church at Sardis can be summarized in two words. And those two words are the title of the message today, and it's simply this, quit pretending, quit pretending. That's the message that God gave through John to the believers at Sardis. And so we're going to be, with, be, that, be there this morning and discover that as well. Revelation chapter three, beginning in verse number one. The word of God says this, and unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, these things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God. We'll come back and explain that in just a minute. And the seven stars. And here's the message. I know thy works and that thou hast a name or a reputation that thou livest or are alive, but in actuality, you're dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect or complete before God. Remember therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. The challenge to the believers at Sardis, the challenge to us today, summarized in two words, quit pretending. We're gonna learn more about that 
after we pray. So let's pray with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Would you take a minute? And just in the quietness of your own heart in this moment, would you pray between you and God and ask God to speak to you today? God, would you please speak into my heart today? And then would you make a commitment? God, if you speak to me today, I'm gonna listen to you and respond. Dear Lord, we come before you and we wanna pray right now that you would help as we come into this time of worship through the preaching of your word and listening and applying your word. God, I pray that you would help us to hear from you, to know what you are saying to us, and God, I pray that as we go through the, the message today, that you would not let us to just simply listen with our ears, but that we would listen in our heart. God, that every single one of us would receive the challenge today that you gave through John to the believers at Sardis. Speak to my heart, Lord. I love you and humble myself before you and just desire that you would be honored and glorified in these next few minutes together. Help us today. God, if there is someone here or maybe with us online that does not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, God, I pray that today they put their faith and their trust completely in you. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> How many of you grew up with, um, with older siblings? How many of you grew up with older siblings? All right, a few of you. How many of you, you are the older sibling? All right, uh, now I know who I'm preaching at today. Um, <clears throat> You ever, you ever had, had an older sibling or maybe a friend? Uh, you ever had somebody in life that they took things too far? Uh, maybe, a, maybe a prank joke or maybe a, a practical joke they're trying to do and they take it a little too far. You ever have that happen? Man, we all probably have had that happen before. I know I read just recently and have seen it of some older siblings that pulled a prank on their younger sibling uh, and they took it too far. And here's what they did. They, they set up this room and there's two or three older siblings and the younger siblings, probably five or six years old. They set up this room with an empty chair. And what they did is they took a picture with their arm around the empty chair and smiled and got this picture taken. And <clears throat> They got the younger sibling, they got him to come in. They said, listen, we learned something at school this week and it is, um, it'll blow your mind. We can make people disappear. Like we could make you invisible. And of course that little five, six year old kid's like, cool, I'll be invisible. And so they set that kid down, they put a blanket over him and they said their little magic words and, and then they moved the blanket and all the other siblings just gasped. <gasps> it worked. Oh my word, I can't see him. And someone said, well, take a picture so he believes. And so they pretended like they took a picture but they just showed the picture that they'd already taken of the empty chair. And that little kid was like, oh my goodness, I am invisible. This is awesome, you know? And that little kid started eating it up and they started, of course, in the room, the older siblings just totally ignored the younger sibling. They're like, we can hear you, but we can't see you. Where are you at? And almost like looking right through him, you know? And then they had a soda can and they're like, hey, hold this can. If, if you're there, hold this can, you know? And they began doing that. And after about, you know, two and a half minutes of this, it gets a little old, well, <clears throat> those siblings didn't just take it. I, I don't know the whole story, but I want you to imagine with me, you're a five-year-old or a six-year-old and your siblings are acting like they don't see you, not for two and a half minutes, but for 10 minutes and 12 minutes and 15 minutes. Pretty soon that younger sibling's going, guys, come on, I'm here. You can see me, guys, I'm here, guys. And pretty soon that younger sibling's crying and running to mom. Mom, they say they can't see me. Can you see me? Well, of course I can see you, Junior. What are you talking about? They say they can't see me. And then they come out and they're like, we can't see him. Where is he at? Where is he at? You know. And pretty soon, what is little five or six-year-old saying? Quit playing. Quit playing, guys. Quit pretending. Come on, stop playing. Tell me you can actually see me. 
Now, if you're a younger sibling in here today, you can relate with that story. I'm the younger sibling. I have two very older sisters than me. They're old, old. Man, I can relate with that story because there were tons of times. I remember my sisters trying to convince me I was adopted. Not for like five minutes, for like five days. Like, Dennis, I got a letter from your real mom. Stuff like that, man. As a, as a younger sibling, you're like, quit, quit pretending. We've all been there. Maybe you're not the younger sibling, you're the older sibling. God bless you. We're going to pray for you and you need help. No, listen, we've all been to the place where we've had to tell somebody or even this has been said to you, hey, quit playing around. If you're a parent, you've said that to your kids. Hey, quit playing around now. Hey, hey, let's get serious. Hey, quit, quit, quit pretending. Let's get serious. As we come to Revelation chapter three, here's what I want you to understand and what I wanna understand is God is walking through John to these believers at Sardis and here's what he's saying to them. This is God's words to the believers at Sardis. Hey, quit playing around. Hey, quit. It's, it's time to stop pretending. Well, what were they pretending about? What were they pretending in? Well, that's what we're gonna look at this morning. Sardis, if you were to go to a map, you would see Sardis about... 50 miles east of Smyrna, of Ephesus. Sardis was a main thoroughfare. As a matter of fact, there were, it was known that there were five highways that came into Sardis. Because of this, Sardis was known as being a city of commerce. But not only was it a city of commerce, Sardis was known as a very prosperous city. It was known as a very wealthy city. As a matter of fact, if you wanted to move up in your work or if you wanted to get clout and become uh, an affluential person, then you would be encouraged, hey, move to Sardis, go start your business in Sardis, take your company to Sardis, because Sardis was the place to be. It was very prosperous. It was known uh, for commerce and for trade, but Sardis also... Sardis also was known for sin. Because of where it sat, um, Sardis was a desired destination, much maybe like the city of Corinth. People wanted to go visit. People wanted to be in Sardis. But in Sardis, the, the way it was positioned, it was positioned up on a little plateau. And then above that plateau would be an Acropolis. You can kind of see it in the background of these pictures. And on top of that Acropolis would be a few things. One, there would be a temple to Artemis. I already looked into Artemis a few weeks ago, so we're not gonna dive into that today. But also up on the top of that hill would be a giant fortress. This fortress, and of course, these are just the ruins of that fortress, but it was known to be impenetrable. And the idea throughout history, and this is shown, is that Sardis was the place that could not be conquered. As a matter of fact, in Sardis's history, they record that they were actually overthrown or overtaken two times in their history up until this point. Now, that's very interesting that I, I want you to take that thought. I want you to kind of put it in the back of your mind. And we'll come back to it. These believers at Sardis, of course, they had been reached. Many of them of new Christ. There was a church there that was following the Lord. And as we come to this next letter from Jesus to these believers, I want you to notice with me a few messages, a few things that God says to them. I noticed first of all today that the Lord says these words to them. Hey, I know, I know the truth. I know the truth about you. You ever had somebody say that? Somebody look at you and you know, you're trying to pull the wool over their eyes and they go, hey, I know the truth. I know you've had someone say that because everybody in here has parents. Remember mom always has, mom has eyes in the back of her head and mom would say to you, hey, don't lie to me, I know the truth. Well, as we open up this letter, that's exactly what the Lord is saying to these believers. Now, I, I'm, we're not gonna do a bunch of digging today, but I just wanna kind of connect a few things for those of you that really enjoy some depth in Bible study 
We have to remember that in all of these letters, all right, all seven letters were written to seven churches that were actually there. Okay, so a lot of people wanna go and say, oh, well, this is stuff about the future and all of that. No, these were actually churches that actually existed that got an actual message from God to them. Every letter, the Lord gave himself a different title. So we would read, these things saith, and then you read a title. And then at the end of the letter, you find an encouragement to all the believers. Every letter opens with titles and ends with an encouragement. Now, the title and the encouragement would always connect with that specific culture. Okay. Smyrna, known for being, um, known for being impenetrable, this great fortress of a city, this rich city, it was almost seen as the perfect city. Everybody wanted to be there. It's perfect in Smyrna. Well, here's how the Lord opens up the letter. Under the angel of the church at Sardis. Now remember the angel, messenger, the leadership. All right, we already covered that. That's to the pastor. To the angel of the church at Sardis, write. And notice the title the Lord gives. These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God. Okay, wait, pastor. I thought that we believe that there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. What, what is this with seven spirits? Okay, this phrase, the seven spirits of God, notice two things. We notice in our English language, the capital on the word spirit. So we know that's referring to the Holy Spirit. All right, you can go to the Greek and study all this out. We won't, we're not gonna dive into all that today. But the word seven in this passage, in this, ver, in this particular use right here, it'll be used again in a second. In this particular use, it, it's leaning to the perfection. Seven is the number of perfection. It's the number of completeness. So I want us to read it that way. These things saith he that hath the complete, perfect spirit of God. Remember written to Sardis, the perfect city. Hey, you guys think you have it together. I'm writing to you in full authority because I have it all together because I am perfect. And then he writes this, and the seven stars. Well, what's that? Okay, well, we've already defined that. Go to the Revelation chapter one, very last verse. John defines what the seven stars are. The seven stars are the seven angels or the seven messengers, the seven pastors. All right, so clear that up. If it's still not clear, ask me afterwards. We can talk through that. But here's what he says. I'm writing to you from complete authority, and here's what I have to say. I know your works. All right, I know, I know what you're doing, but thou hast a name. The word name right here, it means reputation. Thou hast a reputation that thou livest. Hey, you have a reputation that you are alive, but you're actually dead. Well, what, what's he saying to him? Well, the message is simple. You have a reputation that you are alive for me, but you are actually not. When he says, I know thy works, we've seen in previous uh, letters, when he said, I know thy works, it was actually commending them. Man, you guys are doing a good job. When he says it to the believers at Sardis, it is not a commendation. No, no, no. Hey, I know your works. You have a name or a reputation that you are alive and doing well for God. Hey, your actions all point to life when, all, when in all actuality, your heart is distant from me. Your heart is actually like dead before me. He's telling them, you appear to be alive and busy. There are indicators of life. You appear to have a lot going on, but I know the truth. You are not fooling me. Now here's a church. Here's believers that had an appearance to be close to the Lord they had works that resembled a live and active and a healthy faith, but the Lord comes to them and he says, you are actually unhealthy to the point of death. I love how one man said it when he wrote this, there was reputation without reality, form without force or without power. Like the city itself, the church at Sardis gloried in the past, but ignored the present decay. You see, Sardis was a proud city. Hey, look at what we are. We've only been conquered twice. Man, I'm from Sardis, head held high, shoulders back. I'm, a, I'm from Sardis. That's who I am. That's my heritage. 
but the city was living in its past glory. And some of these Christians were doing the same. They had a reputation that they loved God. They had a reputation that they were alive, but they were actually dead. We've been going through on uh, Wednesday nights in our discussion groups, we've been going through our series called Vital Signs, Questions to Diagnose Your Spiritual Health. The quote we've been coming back to each week is this, spiritual busyness does not equal spiritual health. I would venture to say today that in in our culture and in our 21st century Christianity, it is easy, listen, it's easy to be a pretend Christian. Now, here's what I want us to see. These people actually knew the Lord. They were saved. Many of them were saved. We'll see it in just a minute because he says, hey, remember how you received this. Like, remember your salvation. So these are people, they had not lost their salvation. They were not dead spiritually. No, he's saying you need to understand that you have have this reputation that you love God, that you're moving forward, but in all actuality, you are in a spiritual coma and how easy it is to get there. Oh, come on, let's be honest. It's easy to come to church on a Sunday and put your smile on. Man, how's things going? Oh, it's going good, brother. Amen. We get the spiritual Christian talk. Amen, sister. It's easy to carry your Bible into church. It's easy to have the appearance that I've got it all together when my heart is a million miles away. Can I just help us with something this morning? You may fool people. Like you may fool your spouse and your kids, your grandkids, You may fool Christians that come to church with you. You may fool pastor. You may fool your family. You may fool people, but you will never fool God. Hey, God sees your heart. Man, God sees Dennis's heart. That's what the Lord is saying to these believers. Hey, I know the truth. You have a reputation that you're alive, but I know the truth. You are actually way far away from where you should be. So what's he say secondly to him? Well, he tells them, I have a solution for you. Not only do I know the truth that you have a name, a reputation that you're alive, but you're actually dead. Hey, I have a solution for you. What's the solution? Look at verse number two. Be watchful. Be watchful. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm give, I'm gonna give you a little teasers today because at the end of the message, I'm gonna t- share something with you that I was like, wow, that's incredible. The word watchful is a military term. This phrase, watchful. It means to wake up, be on guard, and be alert. Hey, man your post. Wake up, be on guard, be alert. All right, so the first challenge, wake up. Second challenge, strengthen the things that remain. The phrase strengthen the things that remain, it basically is the idea of invest in the spiritual things that you know to do and how to follow the Lord. Hey, invest in the spiritual things that are alive. All right, so wake up, quit lying to yourself, invest in the things that are alive. And notice what he says next. If you look at this, strengthen the things that which remain that are ready to die, why? because I have not found thy works perfect before God. Okay, what's that mean, pastor? To find their works perfect before God means to find them holistic and complete before God. And here's what Jesus says. Your works are not holistic and complete. Well, what does that tell us about them? Like the church at Ephesus, the why was wrong. Like the church at Ephesus, why they did what they did was wrong. Hey, I know your works. I'm not commending you. You are pretending to be alive when in actuality you are dead. Hey, wake up, invest in the spiritual things because I look at your works, I look at your heart, and I don't approve. Man, what a challenge. Like, 
I never liked getting in trouble. And I know it's hard to believe. Listen, I know this is very hard to believe, okay? I did get in trouble a little bit growing up. I know it's hard to believe. I know some of you are like, ah, pastor, like, no, listen, I spent more time in the principal's office, I think, than I did the classroom, you know? I was the person that they were calling, like, uh, at, the, at the school I went to, uh, up until about third grade, they still, like, parents signed permission slips that you could still get a spanking at school. Uh, how many remember, remember those days? Yeah, a few of you remember those. And, uh, man, I remember they'd call my mom, be like, hey, Dennis going to have to get a spanking again at school. And she's like, don't even bother. Just let me handle him. You know, wait till your father gets home. No, don't wait till your father gets home. I'm like Pastor Thomas last week, mom. Like you, you guys have met my mom. I mean, come on. I never liked being in trouble. But you know what I hated? I genuinely still to this day, when mom would say, you wait till dad gets home. You know what I hated? I hated when my dad would look me in the eye and correct me. Because my dad, those of you that knew my dad, I mean, he was six foot five, you know, at the time, he was probably 280 pounds. And my dad was just a big dude. My dad would sit me down and he'd say, now, son, what you did, and he'd go, what you did was disrespectful. What you did dishonored God. Son, what you did dishonored your family. Son, I wanna, and he, man, I would look there and it was like dad could see right through me. I'm like, I'm sorry. He didn't have to, I didn't have to get grounded. I didn't have anything. When my dad, those piercing eyes, and he'd just tell me straight to my face, here's what's going on. Can you imagine having God sit you down? I mean, God who created you. You imagine having God sit you down and saying, son, now listen, you're pretending. You're playing around. I know the truth. You need to wake up. Son, you need to wake up. I've seen your works. I see your motives. And I disapprove. Man, that's a hard message from the Lord. He's saying, wake up, quit lying to yourself. Come back to building your faith. Notice what he says in verse number three. He says this, remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. All right, so here's the solution. What's the solution, God? Hey, you need to wake up. You need to quit lying to yourself. Invest in your spiritual growth. Well, how do I do that? Verse three, remember how you received and heard and hold firm there. Repent of where you're at and come back to here. Now, what's he talking about? How do you receive the faith? How do you receive it? Well, it's simply by faith. How do I receive Jesus into my life? How do I start a relationship with God? It's not by works. You can't earn your way to heaven. You can't earn your forgiveness before God. You can't be made right before God by you and what you do. No, you have to come to a time where you put your faith and your trust in Jesus. And then we are saved by his grace, his mercy, his unmerited favor toward us. So here's what the Lord is doing with these believers. He is saying, I want to call you back. You're over here kind of playing pretend and, and just going through the motions. I do not approve of this. You need to wake up and you need to grow again and you need to strengthen that which remains. Hey, you need to understand, I see right through the fluff. Well, God, how do we get back? I want you just to remember. Remember how you received. Well, how did I receive it? By faith through grace, because of his mercy. Did you know that we as Christians, we overcomplicate the Christian life? If you're a follower of Jesus and you've trusted Jesus as Savior, many of us turn religion, turn, turn uh, the relationship with the Lord into religion. We turn it into do's and don'ts. We turn it into thou shalt and thou shalt not. And all of those things are in scripture. But here's what God said about your faith. You are saved by faith through grace. So every day we live by faith through grace. That means every day, I don't try to please God. I'm gonna, well, I'm just gonna buckle down and hopefully I can do better. No, today I'm gonna say, God, I need you and I want your strength. I want your grace. Why do I need to remember salvation? Why do I need to remember that point? Because you didn't do anything to earn salvation. And you and I don't need to do anything to perform for God. You see, that's where the acting comes in. 
The acting comes in when we pretend we try to perform for God. Hey, God, look at how good I am. Hey, God, look at how much I gave. Hey, God, look at what I did at work this week. Hey, God, look at how cool I, hey, God, look. And here's what the Lord's saying to them. No, 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 I have a solution for you. And here's the solution. You need to go back to that moment of salvation. You need to start living by grace. Here's what we need to understand. Every Christian must be aware how easy it is to pretend and to get stuck in the performance-based mindset. Performance-based mindset says, I'm going to do this and do not do this. Here's what John is referring and calling them back to. You need to go back to the gospel. Go back to what you received and heard. And then he says, hold fast there. Stay there. Stay living by grace through faith. Stay at the place. It's not that you've lost salvation. No, no, no. These were saved people. They had not lost their salvation. You cannot lose your salvation. Once you put your faith and your trust in Jesus, the Bible says that nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, you're in my hand and I am in the Father's hand and you cannot be separated from that. Paul wrote it this way. I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come, nothing Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That's called eternal security. Hey, my friend, these people did not lose their salvation. They were saved. They knew God. But instead of having a real fellowship with him, they were pretending like they were. And here's what God says. Quit pretending and come back to when you received the Lord. Second part of verse number three, notice how he continues. If therefore thou shalt not watch, remember, be watchful, wake up. Hey, if you're not gonna wake up, I will come on thee as a thief and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Many times in scripture, the word to, the phrase to come as a thief or as a thief in the night, it's a reference to judgment that is coming. So here's what the Lord is saying. Not only do I know the truth and I have a solution for you, I will judge if I need to. I will come as a thief. You can see it in 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 Peter 3, Revelation 16, to come as a thief in the night. When you don't expect it, judgment will be coming. And this is what you and I need to recognize today, that while God is a God of grace and mercy, we must be reminded that the Lord is also a God of justice and judgment and he will not disregard sin. I'm so thankful today that God is not like me because <laughs> I am not a person filled with grace and mercy. I mean, let's be honest. If somebody like does you wrong, stabs you in the back, says things about you, mistreats you, if you're like me, it's just like, hey God, lightning. <laughs> like, could I have that power, you know? Oh, come on, don't look at me like that. You know you've thought that too. Man, I just want to strike someone. I'm not a person of just like, well, you know, it's okay. Just, uh, man, I'm going to, we're done. I'm glad God doesn't do that. Because how many times would God have zapped you by now? Probably a lot. <laughs> a lot more than we want to admit. Hey, God is a God of grace and God is a God of mercy but he is also a God of justice and a God of judgment. And he will not coexist with sin. So here's, here's what I'm saying today. If the Lord ever comes to you and says, hey, there's something in your life, there's a sin in your life, hey, you need to repent of this. If the Lord speaks to your heart today and in a moment challenges you about, hey, you're, you've been pretending, quit pretending. Hey, just listen to the challenge and repent. Because the second thing the Lord says is, if I need to judge this, I will. I am thankful today, although I don't like it, I am thankful for the judgment of God. Why? Because the book of Hebrews says that the chastisement of the Lord is actually a blessing. I never liked when my parents, like when I got in trouble, I didn't like it. But my parents, they were wise parents to help correct me. Why? So that when I grow up, I would know some things. My parents admonished me and chastened me and corrected me so that I wasn't just, you know, a crazy person. You know why the Lord corrects you? The Lord corrects you because he loves you. 
The Lord chastens you because he loves you. And so here's what the Lord is saying. Hey, I will judge if I have to judge. But then I notice the Lord saying this in verse number four, but I will bless those who are real. Now don't miss this. This is a great verse. Verse number four, thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, for they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. What the Lord's saying here, there are a few names. There are a few people who have not compromised to where defiled garments was connecting with the uh, pagan worship in the temples. And here's what the Lord is saying. There are some that are living there. There there are some Christians there that haven't compromised. Hey, church at Sardis, I am giving a corporate condemnation, yet there are some of you who are faithful and will enjoy fellowship with me. The Lord is saying, I recognize that not everybody is compromised at Sardis. There are some of you that you are, if you look at the verse that we just read, he says, they have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white. What does that mean? Well, the phrase would be connected. People who would walk around in white were, to, were victors. If you won a tournament, if you won a, a competition of some sort, many times they would put white on you and you get to walk through town in white as a victor. So he's saying, hey, when you have a good relationship with me, you walk in victory for they are worthy. You are, you are living worthy and you're, you're a testimony is one that the life matches the heart. But I want you to notice the two words that I think we could skip right over and miss. And it's the words, with me. Okay. If you have trusted Christ as Savior and you know the Lord, if you've been that that phrase, you've been saved, you've been a believer for more than a month, more than a week, if you've, known the Lord for that long, then you know how easy it is to pretend things are okay. All right, I said a minute ago, it can be easy to put that smile on. I'm doing well. But when we do that, we've all been there. Those of you that know the Lord, you've been there. The outward says everything's good. How's the inward? (laughs) It's miserable. I must be honest. When you are saying, yeah, me and God are good, yeah, things are well, but you know it's not, you know there's sin in your life, you know you've been pretending, you know there's some bitterness there in your heart, you are miserable. Man, you hate it. But many of you also know the opposite of a time when you're actually walking with the Lord and really in fellowship with him. Dennis, come here real quick. get my son to come up here real fast and he didn't know I was gonna do this, but it, here's what we do sometimes, okay? When we pretend, I want him to represent just us as a Christian and I'm gonna be God. When we pretend that things are okay, you know what we actually do is we actually kind of push God away. We're saying, God, I've got it. God, I don't need you. God, I can, I can fluff this. And in our heart, we're miserable. We're not happy. Let's think about it like this. Dennis and I, I'll ask him just so you know I'm not lying to you. Do we have a good relationship? Yeah, most days. I was trying to think of something sarcastic. All right. (laughs) He gets it honestly. Uh, we We have a great relationship. Love my kids. We love spending time together. We really do. We're not one of those families like, I can't stand my kids. Like, honestly, we love it. You know, we love doing, we love going out to eat together. We love playing board games together. It's just time. Now, if Dennis said, hey, dad, hey, dad, you wanna go, wanna go on a run with me today? And I said, yeah, I'll go with you. Why are you laughing, man? <laughs> That's messed up. <laughs> when we're in front of all these people and you're just doing that. You can't run. All right, after church, we're having a foot race, just so you know, and he's about to get whooped. Now, if he said, hey, let's, Dad, let's go on a run. Let's go do something together. But he asked it like this. Now, just stay with me. He says, hey, Dad, 
I want you to, I want you to come, come on a run with me. <laughs> Do I think he really wants me to go with him? No. Why? He, he's asking. He has the appearance of the ask, but the heart, it, it, it doesn't want me around. But if he says, hey, dad, hey, dad, would you come run? Hey, dad, would you play this game? Man, I'm gonna know he really wants me around. And here's what happens. In your Christian life and in my Christian life, we pretend and it distances God away. And then we end up living the Christian life on our own. You know what God wants? God wants this. God wants fellowship. Like God wants you and him walking together. God wants you to enjoy each other's company. God wants you, we learned in John 15 at the beginning of the year, God wants you to be comfortable in his presence. And can I just tell you right now, and I genuinely mean this, and I know he's trying to be sarcastic and funny, but we really do have a good relationship and I love spending time with my kids. I'm not saying that would be like, hey, look at me. And they're like, I love that relationship. But you know what? There are days when I'm like, bro, I can't believe I can't believe that you told the church I can't run. <laughs> I mean, dude, like I can't. Hey, there are, you know what happens on those days? And every, every single person, you have relationships like this. When those relationships are strained, no one's happy. When your relationship with the Lord is strained, no one's happy. And so here's what I want us just to understand, that the Lord is saying this simple thought to them. Even though there's corporate condemnation, there are some of you who are faithful and you enjoy fellowship with me. Don't move past those words like God is interested in true fellowship with you. That means tomorrow God wants to be a part of your day. He doesn't want you to pretend to be a Christian. No, he really wants to walk with you tomorrow. He continues and closes with this, and we're done. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment. I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. What's he saying in these verses? Every believer is already blessed. Remember I said he opens the letter with a title usually of himself and then he closes the letter to each of these churches with this phrase to him that overcometh or he that overcomes. Now, some people think, well, that phrase, he that overcomes is just the person that puts their nose to the grind and they just really force forward. And then if you're that person, then you will overcome. No, we have to remember who is writing the book of Revelation. Jesus is speaking to John. What else did John write? Well, John wrote a few other books. A few of them come just before the book of Revelation, the first book of John, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. We have to connect what the writer's mind would be on. In the book of 1 John, John writes who the overcomer is. Don't miss it. Here's the overcomer. Everyone that believes in Jesus. That's what John said. If you believe in Jesus, you are the overcomer. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You have overcome the world, my little children, because God is in you. John wrote that to the believers. And so here's John now writing about the overcomer again. And he says these words. He says, he that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment. All right, there's victory again, but it's not just victory in this phrase. It also has the, um, the connection to righteousness. Hey, if you are saved, you are clothed in God's righteousness. You are right before God, not because of you, but because of Jesus. And then it says this, and don't miss it. This is so cool. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. These churches would be made up of many Greeks that had come to know the Lord and many Jews that had come to know the Lord. And here's what many of them would do. Many Jews, when they trusted Christ, they would stay going to their synagogue for the purpose of telling people the Messiah has come and I know Jesus. So they would go to the Jewish synagogue and they would proclaim Jesus. But eventually, 
it would, it would get to the higher ups that, hey, this person is a Jew, but they believe that this Yeshua, Jesus, is the Messiah. So here's what the leadership of that local synagogue would do. They would take that person by the arms or pick them up. They would carry them out of the synagogue, closing the door behind them. You are excommunicated from the synagogue. And then in front of all of the people, they would go to the record or the registry of the people of the synagogue and they would blot out their name. That's Jewish culture. Greek culture in the Romans, if it came to know that you were a follower of Jesus and you were not gonna follow all the other gods and all the other uh, teaching, well, then here's what would happen. Remember a few weeks ago, you wouldn't be able to trade, you wouldn't be able to get uh, um, uh, uh, financing for your business, your temple, because of being a follower of Jesus, you weren't participating with the guilds. And if you weren't participating with the guilds, you were kicked out of the temple. And if you were kicked out of the false temples, then you basically weren't known. So in the Greek culture, it was this. If you claim Jesus, your name is marked off the guilds, the pagan worship, and before the, commun the business community, you're, you are excommunicated. Our modern day vernacular, here's what we would say. You've been canceled. <laughs> You've been canceled. I, I love it. If there's only one thing you walk away with today, I hope you'd be encouraged through this. The last and final truth that Jesus says to these is what we said a minute ago, that every believer is already blessed. Well, why? Why is the believer already blessed? Because of this. The believer is clothed in the Lord's righteousness and you are eternally secure. It's like the Lord is saying to them, hey, you may get canceled by others, but I will never blot you out. That's what Jesus said to them. Hey, Jewish, hey, hey Jews that trusted Christ, your Jewish synagogue may cancel you, I will not cancel you. Hey, Roman believer that got canceled by their guild and by their temple, I will not cancel you out. As a matter of fact, here's what I will do. I will claim your name before God the Father. Naming somebody in that culture was very big. Naming somebody was like a big deal if you were to name someone before others. And here's what Jesus is saying. I will name you before the very God that created heaven. Why is that encouraging? Here's why that enc that's encouraging because these believers, they were playing Christian, but the Lord calls them back saying, hey, be real with me, have a real relationship with me. And you need to understand that if you believed on me, you can try to please this culture and win this culture over, but eventually they will cancel you. You don't have to try to please me by pretending. I already accept you because I died for you. I already accept you because I love you. And the Lord calls them back from pretending to real Christianity. <clears throat> I said at the beginning of the message that this city of Sardis had got conquered twice. Here's what's interesting. Both times in Sardis's history that they were overthrown, both times, it is written in their records that the reason they were overthrown is because the sentries or the guards on duty fell asleep. They got complacent. They got comfortable. And the two times, Sardis, this great city, two times we were conquered because we fell asleep, because we got complacent, because we got comfortable. And here's the Lord writing to the church, hey, you're about to get conquered again. Wake up. There is a real enemy that is out to destroy your life. So instead, I wanna call you back to the place of your salvation. Hey, quit pretending, quit playing church, quit playing Christian it's very interesting to me that he would use that phrase, be watchful. So I have a question for you today and we're done. That question is, where are you at today? What do you mean, pastor? I mean, look, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You may be at church physically. Where's your heart today? Hey, this week, you may carry a Bible around. Where's your heart? Because Jesus knows the truth. And I don't know about you, but I don't want the Lord looking into my life and saying, Dennis, quit pretending. But we all need it, don't we? 
Can I encourage you today to hear from the Lord? If there's areas of pretense in your life you're pretending today, quit. Quit pretending. Come back to the place of your salvation. God, thank you for saving me. God, I was saved by grace. Help me to realize I can live by grace. God, help me today not to get comfortable. And if you've got comfortable or complacent in any area of your Christian life, can I encourage you? Wake up. Man, wake up. There is a real enemy who's out to destroy you. And just as the city of Sardis was destroyed, you too, you too can be destroyed through the the attacks of Satan. So today, wake up. But maybe you're here this morning and you've been pretending to be a Christian because you actually don't know the Lord. And I would ask every single person the question today, do you know that Jesus Christ is your personal savior? Have you trusted him and him alone? If you haven't ever made that decision, today, choose him. Recognize that Jesus loved you and he died on the cross for you. He was buried. Three days later, he rose again to prove that he is God and prove that he can be trusted. And if you're here today and you don't know for certain that heaven is your home, hey, quit trying to fool other people and just receive him into your life. The Bible says that you receive him by confessing with your mouth that you believe in your heart. It says if you do that, you will be saved. So if you've never chosen Jesus today, choose him. If you have chosen Jesus, ask the Lord to search your heart today. Is there any area of your life that you've been pretending? And if there is, today repent. Come back to that place of salvation. Just say, man, it's by grace I was saved and it's by his grace and strength that I'll live. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, every head bowed and every eye closed today. And I wanna encourage you in these next few minutes together, would you make the decision the Lord wants you to make? I'm gonna ask a couple of questions and then we'll pray. The first question today is, are you 100% sure if you died today, you'd go to heaven? Are you 100% sure if you died today that you'd go to heaven? If you're here and you'd be honest, pastor, today I am 100% sure that I know Jesus. I'm 100% sure that heaven is where I'll spend eternity. If that's you, you know that, you know you're saved. Would you slip your hand up as a testimony? Pastor, I know it. I know I've received Christ as my savior. Right up and right back down. Now, if that's you, if you've trusted Christ as savior, hey, would you ask the Lord to search you, show you areas that you've been pretending? But then today, maybe you couldn't raise your hand to that question. If you're here today and you don't know that heaven is where you'd spend eternity, if you don't know that, today, would you slip your hand up just so I can pray for you? Pastor, would you pray for me today? I don't know if I died today, I'm going to heaven. I don't know it. Just right up and right back down. Thank you, put it down. Somebody else, pastor, would you pray for me? I don't know if I died today, I'm going to heaven. If that's you this morning, today before you leave, let us take a Bible and show you how you can know you're going to heaven. That's the most important decision you could ever make. 